it's funny, like at the time when you see trailers for music of the heart and everything, it's like directed by Wes Craven. And you're like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. everybody welcome to the sincast this is chris atkinson from cinema sins joined as always by the voice of cinema sins jeremy scott Whoop-sh. yeah we're bringing out the whip. wits today folks and for music video since barrett share yeah oh yeah. rest of the voice we were trying to think of a topic and and jeremy uh came to us and said guys i've got the best idea um <laughs> He said, what, what about these weird, just sticks out like a sore thumb type movies on people's filmographies? You are so odd. One of these things is not like the others. You stick out like a sore thumb around here. Mm-hmm. Let's discuss that. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about those things. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. We were like, yeah, let's do this because there uh, are so many. It's very sacrificing of me, I have to say. Uh, because originally this was an idea I had for a podcast. And then I realized I don't even have time for all the shit I'm currently doing, let alone a brand new <laughs> podcast. This would make an excellent segment. We could recur on the Sincast. And it's kind of a born out of that. You remember that old Sesame Street song, One of These Things Is Not Like the Other? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, that's sort of where, what I was looking for. And the sore thumb is a better, better catchier name. Sticks out like a sore thumb. That's a, that's a segment name. But yes, directors, actors, looking over their career, many of them have a type, uh, even if there is uh, variation within that type. And then m- many of them also have a movie that you're like, what the fuck is this guy doing in this movie? This is not like him at all. Uh, and that's what we're going for here. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, almost everybody, if you if you look at them, has something kind of like this. Well, and um, we're also talking about good examples and bad examples, right? Like, sure. a good actor that has a completely you know turn of of uh, out of character moment that didn't work, and also considered less than stellar directors or actors that had momentarily like a brilliant moment, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it works both ways. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah like, uh, and and I guarantee you that if we went through the more well-known screenwriters, this would be a field day. Like if we yeah. actually did screenwriters <laughs> at some point. Oh, I bet. Because the first person that came to mind, and I don't have him listed today, but Akiva Goldsman was the one that uh, yeah. came to my mind because there was this string of the night in the '90s where he just kept coming out with. This is this is not good. This is not good. This is not good. A beautiful mind. This is not good. What? Wait a minute. Oh, what happened? <laughs> Did he write on Apollo thirteen? Because he's uh, he's the Ron Howard guy, right? Yeah, I mean, for a while there. I mean, he's he's been. Let me let me just look him up real quick. Um, he has so his like so he did the client, Silent Fall, Batman Forever. A Time to Kill. He was the Schumacher guy for a while. Hmm. Batman and Robin, Lost in Space, Practical Magic, and then A Beautiful Mind shows up. I mean, A Time to Kill is okay. Um, but, like, yeah, the, there's a string of, like, not nothing, 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 nothing. A Beautiful Mind. 
<laughs> and he and then he's got iRobot in there and then Cinderella Man and now now he does become the Howard guy here, Da Vinci Code. Yeah. Uh he becomes a Will Smith guy in a way cuz he does I Am Legend. Um you know, I mean there was a there was just a period of time his first TV series was Fringe. Um Ooh, I like that show a lot. And now he's been doing a bunch of like Star Treks, like Star Trek Discovery, Star Trek Picard. Uh, Star Trek, uh, new War- strange new worlds, which is something coming out. Um, so yeah, Kiva Goldsman was one of those guys that that we have inadvertently be- made the first uh, <laughs> the first uh, person we've done on this uh, exercise. But uh, uh, what 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 did you guys come up with? Well, the first one, and I, we've mentioned this before, but the first one that I wrote down was Sam Raimi. <clears throat> oh yeah, and you look over now that Sam Raimi, you look at his IMDb, has a bunch of shit you've never heard of uh, from like. 72 to 79 but he does the evil dead once we get to 81 and he does evil dead 2 dark man army of darkness quick and the dead a simple plan for love of the game yeah uh the kevin <laughs> costner no hitter movie with yeah Kelly preston and flashbacks what the fuck and then it, after that he does spider-man three movies drag me to hell oz and the great and powerful and i'm just like what, what? that is the sore thumb not necessarily saying it's a bad movie. It is, um, <clears throat> in my opinion. Uh, but the sore thumb in these cases doesn't have to be bad. It just has to be the one thing that is not like the others. And Raimi is known for fantastical, often scary, dark stories, um, uh, wild visuals. And a baseball movie is just an odd choice and i would love to know the story of how that all came together well i actually may know the story to this one um Ooh, sweet i'm not i'm not i'm not absolutely certain uh but uh there's there there are a lot of times where these directors agree to take a project to get a bigger project and if you look at this uh, chronology here for love of the game comes just before spider-man and it is the exact same studio, too. Uh, I believe Sony did for Love of the Game. Um, and uh, the the same thing happened with Christopher Nolan and Insomnia before he did Batman Begins. Um, the the even though if if you went through his filmography, you wouldn't necessarily pick out Insomnia, I guess, as a maybe you would, I don't know, as a sore thumb for Christopher Nolan, but um. But yeah, I think that's why Sam Raimi did that movie was because Sony wanted to make sure that he could play ball in the studio (laughs) system. And they said, here's this movie. We don't know what to do with it. Just do whatever. Just follow our follow our lead and then you'll get Spider-Man. And I think that's how that how that Uh, I could buy that. I could buy Mm -hmm. that for sure. Uh, What's the the deal with that movie? I haven't seen it before. What is it uh, like the rookie? Like uh, what? No, is it's all okay. So he's uh, he's an old dude pitcher of having a no hitter, like on his last start ever, something along so he's, those lines. He's been in the league. It's not like he's been exiled and came back or anything. Like no, that. he's a veteran, but he's oh, okay. he's remembering all this Kelly Preston stuff, and that's what's driving him to keep going. I guess. Oh, I as he's throwing the no hitter, he's thinking about boning. Uh, Kelly Not, Preston. Well, there's more than boning, but yes, there's a, there's a flashback movie that has as much uh, rom com drama as it does baseball action. I've seen it twice. Once when it was in the theater, 
and once a few years later, and my only real remembrance is John C. Riley is in it, I think. Nice. So <laughs> yeah. Well, well and, I and, say bon- I say boning because when we were Chris and I were watching The Fugitive recently, like when Richard Kimball is running from Gerard in the woods and he's like covering himself with leaves and everything to stay warm. He flashes back to his wife, but they're having sex. Like that's yeah. the only time that he's remembering. It's not yeah. like, Oh, she got me like uh, you know, a coffee. Or yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> talking. Yeah. For love of the game. Like it, there's, there's scenes where he's, he's pitching against a former teammate and the teammate is like, this is, this is the, sh- the, the, the thing that makes this movie so like weird to watch is like the, the, the sort of the interplay between characters while a game is going on and everything like he'll throw, he'll throw this fastball. It's apparently the fat, like the hardest fastball he's thrown in his, in, in years, Kevin Costner and like mm. the, his former teammate, like, you know, does this sort of rare back type of thing. And then there's like this, this look at Kevin Costner, like, where'd that come from? You know, and, <laughs> yeah. and everything. And, and that stuff that does happen in baseball games, but it's usually really subtle and like and like and in and in this it's like it's like a whole dramatic like you know you know the whole like stare down type of thing um but yeah uh that that movie is very very strange but that's the only explanation i can come up with for him having done that movie is that they were going to give him spider-man if he did all right with it and i guess i guess they were fine with whatever he came out with it didn't it sure. wasn't a big hit but like Maybe it was just the fact that they knew he was a talent and they said, hey, if you follow our directions and they, they did everything they told him. And he's like, OK, now you get Spider-Man. We'll, we'll, we won't fuck with you on Spider-Man until the third movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we'll fuck you hard. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Did you like this movie, Chris? What? For love of the game? For love of the game? No, no, it's not good. I mean, if you're a baseball fan, you know, a lot of times just things, just things stick out. And this is, you know, the, like Jeremy saying the whole flashback part of it and the, you know, he's, he, you know, there's very little real baseball being played mm. in the, in the movie, but he's on the mound the entire time thinking of all this stuff, you know, <laughs> it's just, you know, it's, it's throwing not, heat. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, there was, uh, when, when we got, uh, when we were doing our prep for this and everything, Barrett said that he wanted to avoid Coppola and Spielberg because they, they sort of have gone on a downslide, um, over the years. And so they have a lot of these like bad movies. And I argue that, that it's not, it's not necessarily just bad movies that make a sore thumb movie. It's, it's the, the fact that it's a movie that you would never think that they would try to direct. So like, Mm. so like Spielberg and Coppola have made bad movies uh, since their heyday, but I feel like all the ones that you would point to and say, ah, that wasn't very good are still movies that Spielberg or Coppola would do. It's just Mm. that they weren't, they're just not their, it's just not their thing. And so the very first entry on that I thought of, and I didn't, had not seen this Coppola comment yet by the time, but when I wrote this down, it was funny. I I like copied the question in my email and then I put Coppola down immediately. And then I looked up (laughs) and Barrett had said, I was avoiding Coppola. And and, uh, Francis Ford Coppola did a movie in the nineties with Robin Williams called Jack. Oh yeah. Uh, that uh, he had, you know, Coppola had done, had this huge body of work where, you know, it, there, you know, 
they weren't like nothing. Not everything is the Godfather. Not everything is Apocalypse Now. But uh, he had a solid run there through the seventies and eighties, mm-hmm. and then and then in the nineties, suddenly he does this thing about Robin Williams being a, a child, and and it just it doesn't make any sense when you see the you see the trailer for this thing you're like it's like directed by Francis Ford Coppola and you're like huh? what Robin Williams movie Francis Ford Coppola? okay um i don't even remember too much about jack other than it's you know if you look at robin williams filmography there is that that one thing that he would always do where he would be the 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 you know, he would be the, I guess, the other, the the comedy guy that was. He's trying to uh, brighten the day of these these people who are always serious and everything. So he's always mm. that. He's always that kind of guy and whatever. But I remember this him being. He's playing a child essentially, um, yeah. if I remember. He's yeah, playing. It's like a, it's like a eight year old in a grown man's body. Yeah, it's maybe like he elf. aged too fast or some yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. I re- I saw it. On, I think I built it. I watched it. Uh, I it saw sucked. it in the theater too. Yeah, that's all I remember. It sucked. This was in a <laughs> yeah. run though where Williams had a bunch of misses with like Jacob the Liar and Bicentennial Man and Jack. <laughs> um, there was there was a run there where he could do no right, um, and then yeah. he turned it around. I don't know where <laughs> RV falls and all that, but RV has. <laughs> been on one of these well, movie channels recently. it's funny because we we just talked to the guy who did the robin's wish and everything and he said that it, when he was talking to his widow about some of these movies he's like he, robin williams was the kind of guy who would take a take a film because he had like 30 people working under him and he wanted to keep them working so uh, like he would just take a stupid movie just to do that, you yeah. Know? Yeah, and he specifically uh, mentioned RV. <laughs> yes, and then uh, World's Greatest Dad that Bobcat Goldthwait uh, directed. He was like, "I'll defend that movie to my death." <laughs> Tyler Norwood is the guy's name. Wow. Yeah, Jack uh, is about yeah. It's an unusual disorder that has aged him four times faster than a typical human being. So a boy looks like a forty-year-old man. And, you see uh, that all the time, right? You know, happens. it's common. Yeah, but um, is that a, is is there a real thing that does that at all? Every time I say there's not, somebody on the comments says there is. And well, I, I think trouble. that's the thing. Like uh, that's why I'm I'm a little worried about that. But like uh, the there are there are um, afflictions. What do you would would you call it? I don't know if affliction is the right word. Where uh, adults look like children when they're, uh, you know, in the 30s and 40s, you know, like kind of like uh, Gary Coleman and Emmanuel Lewis and Andy Milanakis and all these guys have that. It's a result of Werner syndrome, a form of progeria, whatever that means. That's what Wikipedia says. So probably at least based on a real thing. <clears throat> yeah, who knows? Doesn't make the movie better. We'll have to we'll have to look that Barrett, we'll just have to look that up later and make sure like if that's if that's like a real thing, I would hate to be like, you know, uh disparaging in any way, but uh but I don't think we were, were we? No, I'm just when well, when you say it's not a real thing, uh or if if you say that it, that's something that's so common or whatever, uh, ah. I don't know. All right, I'm going to read off a list of of movies highlights and for you guys know who this is, but for you listeners, let me see if you know who this is. Ooh, All right. Ooh. Tom Cruise. This director, this director, his first movie is the classic Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf as a director. Second movie, also a classic, 
The Graduate. Okay. Also went on to direct Catch-22, the famous Joseph Heller novel, uh, Carnal Knowledge with uh, Jack Nicholson, The Day of the Dolphin, The Fortune, uh, a lot of these star Jack Nicholson, Gilda Live, which was Gilda Radner. Uh, he uh, uh, recorded one of her performances. Silkwood, Academy Award winner Silkwood, uh, Heartburn, Biloxi Blues, uh, which we've talked about before, Working Girl, 80s classic, Postcards from the Edge, and then Regarding Henry, which is a pretty good movie with Harrison Ford. Then, Wolf. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let me continue. The Birdcage. Yep. Primary Colors. I'll mm-hmm. skip a few. And then uh, The Angels in America uh, uh, miniseries on HBO. Closer, a movie that you know we love. And then Charlie Wilson's War, which is a terrific movie starring Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. This is Mike Nichols. Mike Ooh. Nichols has an otherwise absolutely stellar Hall of Fame directorial career. But you, I dare you, motherfucker. I double dare you to watch <laughs> Wolf. You watch it and you tell me that that's worth like urinating on the print to, to oh, make it go away. You got to go all the way and do the Jeremy special. I've told this story before, but I saw Wolf and Maverick. The same night. Back Ain't to nothing back. wrong with Maverick. You watch your mouth. Well, maybe Wolf tainted the experience. It must have. But also, Maverick wasn't very good. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Wolf is terrible, I will admit. Oh, it's so bad. I don't understand why they can't make a good Wolfman movie. I don't know. I, I uh, was watching it late one night, and I texted Chris, and I was like, how is Wolf so bad? You got Jack Nicholson, you got Michelle Pfeiffer, you got Mike fucking Nichols. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it's just a shit show. It is awful. Yeah, there. this one, this one, I have no idea why it was made. You have a guy here who has already uh, 20 plus years of a uh, record. Um, so he can do pretty much anything he wants at this point. And, this was three years after regarding Henry. So like, it's not like there was any real pressing need to do this movie. Birdcage was that came right after that, but mm-hmm. um, there wasn't anything there that says, Oh, he needed to do this movie because maybe now it could have been a money thing. The, o- the only thing I can think of is this was a money thing. And you have a situation where he hasn't worked for a few years and he doesn't he hasn't been seeing any projects that he likes and so it's like okay why don't we do this wolf movie with jack nicholson and michelle pfeiffer surefire hit because we've got those two people in it and you know <laughs> and let's make to write it then we then we'll make some money <laughs> and you know yeah i don't know why it is that uh they can't make good wolf movies i think I think the the premise is a little limiting at times. The the but the they're going to do it again with the fucking Ryan Gosling and somebody we like. I think mm-hmm. it's uh, uh, Lee Winnell. Oh, well, yeah. that that certainly makes me think that it, he might be able to do something with it because Lee Winnell is one of those up and comers that I that I really think uh, could possibly do a wolf movie differently. But most of the time, most of the time it it revolves around, you know, guy goes out in the woods, he gets bit and now he's turning into a wolf. Oh no. What are we going to do about that? He's murdering people. And that's, 
And then he turns into a zombie and starts dancing like Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, exactly. It is Lee Winnell. Uh, Lee Winnell and Ryan Gosling are making that, but Lee Winnell is also making uh, or remaking Escape from New York after that. Oh, really? Huh. I wonder well, I know if that... John Carpenter will sue him. Yeah. I know that that, uh, that wolf movie that they're doing is probably part of that big uh, universe. That they're, yeah. they're sort of quietly not announcing a new monster verse right like they did invisible man it did pretty good and that was lee one l as well um and it got excellent reviews which i think is even more important to them yeah and so invisible man didn't really seem part of all of that they try they they you know they 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 said it was but i don't know it's it's certainly not you know it's certainly not in the same universe really as the mummy, which is what they where they were starting all of that. Yeah, I think you they're know. just going to retcon the mummy and uh, yeah. stealth stealth their way back into one. I definitely think Wolfman and this uh, Elizabeth Banks Invisible Woman movie are both going to be connected somehow. <laughs> Elizabeth Moss. No, Elizabeth Banks is making Invisible Woman. Elizabeth Moss oh, is an Invisible okay. Man. Oh, okay. I thought you said... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. No, you're right. Although I, I confuse those Elizabeths all the time. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Moss should get an Oscar nomination for what she did in that Invisible Man movie. I have yet to see it, but I really, really want to. I heard it's great. Yeah, it is. Well, this is the definition to me of a sore thumb movie, regardless of the uh, impetus for, for why he made it. Mm-hmm. And it's not... And, and it, to me... And this is the reason that I personally didn't want to include Coppola and, and Spielberg because they've kind of just tapered off uh, towards the end of their career. Mike Nichols finished strong. I mean, Closer, well, Angels in America was amazing. Closer is fantastic. And the Charlie Wilson's War, the last movie he directed, is a fantastic movie that I think is underseen. Mm-hmm. And after Wolf, he did Birdcage. And so like, it's not like... Wolf signified the beginning of the end, like Jack did almost with Francis Ford Coppola. It's like he got back up to all star level and finished strong. So this is uh, this is crazy. I think I think Mike Nichols is the exception, though, to what normally happens. Uh, Mike Nichols and and Sidney Lumet was doing good stuff all the way Mm -hmm. until he died. And, uh, you know, I think I think those those are that's the exception a lot of times. I, who knows? I mean, sometimes I think a director so big, you get into the situation of Spielberg and Coppola. They're so big that nobody tells them no anymore, and that's yeah. the that's the issue, right? Because who's going to tell Spielberg he's wrong about anything at this point? I saw an article this morning about an auto uh, a biography of uh, Alec Guinness mm-hmm. that contained some letters that he had sent um, about. Being approached for this uh, Star Wars movie, basically, he calls him <laughs> Paul Lucas and <laughs> T- Tennyson Ford. Um, <laughs> and he's like that, but it, that it's that Paul Lucas guy who made that American Graffiti movie. So maybe I should, but it's mm-hmm. fantasy rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, there's some very interesting <laughs> quotes in there. Yeah. Um, the only sore thumbs I have left, all of them. If we, I don't know how many rounds we're going, but they're all not bad. Meaning they're examples of good sore thumbs. Yeah, yeah. Let's keep this going, baby. This is fun. So I'm I'm gonna go with Christopher Guest. Again, we've talked about this before at some some place, but mostly know Christopher Guest from comedies. You mostly mm-hmm. know him from this is Spinal Tap, 
Little Shop of Horrors, Princess Bride, and then, you know, all of the mockumentaries that he made, Waiting for Guffman. Uh, he's been a voice on The Simpsons, Best in Show, Mighty Wind. Um, <clears throat> and somewhere in the middle of all that, he plays the very serious small role of Dr. Stone in A Few Good Men. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> being questioned about the possible murder of Santiago. And uh, <clears throat> it's always been like, what's that? That Christopher Guest? Why is Christopher Guest in this role? Mm-hmm. Why, it feels like a favor. Now, again, it is Rob Reiner making this movie, mm-hmm. and Rob Reiner made this is Spinal Tap. Yep. Uh, and there's no reason to look any further than that for a reason why Christopher Guest is in the movie. Uh, but for a movie that does have several characters that are funny, you'd think you would give Christopher Guest one of those characters instead of like almost menacing. But it's funny. Maybe, maybe yeah. he's tired of being funny. He's like, I don't want to be funny. <laughs> Let me be the medical examiner. Some yeah. boring shit. Um, but and he's excellent yeah. in that part, too. He is. Exactly. That's my point. This this is one of these things is not like the other on his resume, but he's still great in it. Of course, yeah. the movie's yeah. fantastic. Uh, but it, you look up and down his resume, and that's the thing that stands out. Like, there's a voice on Animaniacs and Simpsons and Dilbert and, well, oh, A Few Good Men plays the doctor. Yeah. <laughs> I remember uh, I was listening to commentary on one of the Simpsons episodes. It may have been the one where Spinal Tap, I think it was, the one where Spinal Tap was on uh, <laughs> the uh, episode. And... um and uh, I can't remember who it was, but they were they were talking back and forth. And he said, well, he's like, you know, it was great getting Spinal Tap in and and uh, doing some voices and everything. He's like, there was one guy who wasn't uh, was kind of hard to deal with. Uh, and I don't know if I want to say his name or not. He's like, and, and somebody was like, he's like, yeah, let's just say that he was a very special guest. <laughs> yeah very wow. special guest he was he was very difficult on the on the uh on the thing so yeah i wonder what <laughs> that was all about that's um, hilarious yeah he's great man because he's got he's got that wonderful exchange and it's not a very good performance by tom cruise at this point where he's like he's coming up on him he's like you know if you had a heart condition what would that manifest as and he's like palpitations uh nausea fatigue and then he's like what do you have on this, uh, the, the last report? Fatigue. And he, he does this like weird stare down thing. And it's like, all right, he's being a little artificial. But Guest like gives him just a straight ass look. And he's like, no. <laughs> like, no this, I mean, I swear to God, because the guy has been paid off. I don't even know what the doctor's deal is because it's not like Jessup's going to help him get to like NIH or something like that. Like he's, he's, He's just standing up for Jessup in solidarity. You know what I mean? Like, how did mm-hmm. they pay this guy off? Yeah, who knows? I don't know. uh, well, I mean, the the like a right turn there the, isn't. Well, isn't that uh, a typical thing though? There are doctors out there who, uh, if you if you pay them to be your witness, they that's what they do. Is they they find the way of saying that your your report is is going to help you. My report will help you out. I mean, that's. That's a for hire thing that some people do, right? I guess I so. so. I guess in fact, so. Isn't that something that they bring up in the um, they bring up in the proceedings? Is that aren't you? It, I, I could be confusing a, a lot of different courtroom dramas here, but there is one that does this. I, it's not. A, it's not a few good men. Uh, 
But I know yeah, you're talking he's about. He's an internist. He's not. He's not a pathologist. And I believe this is where she strenuously objects. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where, uh, where, like, he's. You've got uh, the judge saying the man is an expert, and I will hear his opinion. <laughs> yeah. Christ, the, you uh, even had the judge calling him this. <laughs> yeah. But there, there's one. There's one uh, courtroom drama where somebody's like, it's safe to say that you are. Uh, you were hired by the prosecute or the hired by the defense to you, you get, you regularly get hired by lawyers to, to give them what they want basically. Um, uh, but yeah, that's a thing. And I don't know if that's illegal to do. I mean, if you're, if you're fudging statistics and fudging, well, he's, he flat out said there was no way that it could be anything than lactic acidosis, mm-hmm. um, caused by poison. And so that's perjury. I mean, he mm-hmm. knows better. So it- he knew that he had a heart condition. Uh, so yeah, that what what Christopher De- Guest's character did in Few Good Men was perjury. So that's okay. definitely illegal. Is it primal fear? I mean, it could be the 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 line that's running through my head right now is a movie I've seen many times, but I can't remember what that movie is because I can even hear the flow of it and everything. But so it's probably don't. not primal fear. Yeah. Well, no, you have expert witnesses. If that's what you're talking about, like um, guys that are uh, signed up to be on a list of expert witnesses, especially psychiatrists and psychologists and stuff like that. I used to to um, be taught by one of these guys in grad school. Uh, he went through, it was a forensic psych, uh, psychology class and he went through like the process to get yourself on this list. You have to be credentialed out the ass. You have to be on all these boards, uh, certified and everything before they'll even let you in the door. So mm-hmm. yes, that is a cottage industry. Um, but you have to still stay within the factual structure of the, the thing. Yeah. I so, mean, I, I, I doubt most of the time these people who are for hire doctors or whatever, are willing to go on and say, I'm going to completely lie for you. But <laughs> that I'm sure that what they do is, is that if it is within an acceptable, like hazy category where they can say, I believe it's this, they will do that in mm. case of, in you know, in the case of the Christopher guest character and a few good men, though, you're probably talking about a guy who is definitely just lying, but mm. But I mean, yeah, he's getting paid for his 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 appearance, so that's all mm. he needs is to to say what he what he says. So, um, what an asshole! Exactly, it's going to drive me crazy until I know what that is. So if you think <laughs> of it later, you better fucking tell me. Yeah, I mean, movies like JFK and A Time to Kill are running through my head. But A Time I can't to Kill rem- came to my mind too. God damn it! Yeah, um, but I can't remember because because when he says this is he says something like so is it could be. It could, we could reasonably believe that you were hired to uh, help this case on the basis of this trial or whatever. Like you're regularly done that or whatever. And I can't remember. I just can't remember right now what it is. I'll have to, I'll have to have a time where I'm just stopping to think to, to, to get it, to finally get it. Um, but um, an actor that I thought now this actor has gone on to do a lot of crap, a lot of crap. So it may be the same kind of, criteria that fails like you know the the whole like you know the coppola spielberg test on this but uh robert de niro in adventures of rocky and bullwinkle (laughs) Mm -hmm. is a movie that stands out he de niro had done comedies before and you know like midnight run it makes sense for him to do uh, a character like he does in midnight run 
uh, We're No Angels is just a typical, you know, everyday comedy. Uh, Analyze This is playing on his old, his old gangster characters and Meet the Parents is still kind of, uh, uh, you know, playing on that tough guy uh, character and everything. But The Adventures of Rocky Bullwinkle was the first time I really finally thought that De Niro had sold out. That was the movie that, <laughs> that was like, okay, I have done the work that I'm going to be remembered for. Now I just need to keep paychecks coming through. And, you know, he does adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle. He even does the taxi driver line in that movie. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it makes you feel very, very gross when he does it, you know, uh, to play off on something iconic like that in that movie. And I understand it's kind of fun in a way to, to get him to say that shit again. I just, I just don't think adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkles that, that movie. Um, so yeah, um, that's, yeah. that's the one that stands out. Now, after that, you know, you're going to see him in tons of things that you, uh, you, you like, Oh my God, this is the great Robert De Niro. Uh, like the Irishman. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, did you ever watch Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle when you were a kid? Yeah, just yeah, a little bit. Just a I little. watched it a lot. It was on. It wasn't on Nickelodeon, but there was another early morning cartoon channel that I would watch sometimes before school, mm-hmm. and Rocky and Bullwinkle were on there. I always thought it was amusing. I mean, it, 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 the reason I bring that up is that I think they could have made a good movie. Mm-hmm. out of this and i think a robert de niro cameo as boris would not have been necessarily a terrible thing mm-hmm. had they decided to make it somewhat enjoyable of a movie you know remember yeah. when um around the same time brendan Fraser played dudley do right in a movie <laughs> yeah and george of the jungle both uh uh yeah. saturday morning staples yeah oh yeah yeah boy george another- of the jungle was seriously a one note cartoon it was him slamming into, into trees laid out in the theme song and they made a movie um, out all of that whack himself in the movie out of that it has it has uh an all-timer though in it when there is a there is a time where uh, some of the characters step in shit and and it's like aha typical family movie somebody steps in shit but they actually acknowledge it in the movie, and it's like, now this is where we stay, stare at the camera and laugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Rocky and Bullwinkle. Yeah. Bad, who played Natasha yeah. in that? Was it Kristen? Um, oh, I know who you're talking about. I think from I, I Third think, Rock from the Sun. I think you might be right. I'm clicking. I'm looking who, at it. Who played who? Uh, Natasha to De Niro's Boris. Oh, Jesus. Um, oh, that was Renee Russo. Ah, and, Rene uh, Russo. Jason Alexander played Boris. Uh, Robert De Niro was fearless leader in the movie. Ah, okay, okay. Uh, well, Piper Parabo, Karen Sympathy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Randy oh, Quaid a... was Cappy Von Trapman. Sure he was. Sure he okay. was. Yeah. We have uh, that's a good one. Are you ready for me? I'm ready. Uh, okay, so here's a bad person, a bad director with a good movie. Okay. <laughs> All right. So Brett Ratner, I think, has uh, been accused credibly of being a scumbag. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so many instances of this. 
whether it's an Ellen Page story or whether it's a sexual assault story. Brett Ratner started off as a music video director, directed some some classics, D'Angelo, Mary J. Blige, uh, Jodeci, uh, Wu-Tang. And then he came out with Money Talks. Not a good movie. Then he came out with Rush Hour. All right. That's maybe like, you know, a passable movie. I don't really like Rush Hour, but whatever. Goes back to doing music videos for a while. Does The Family Man, not a very good movie. Rush Hour 2, even worse than the first one. Mm-hmm. Then comes out with the prequel to The Silence of the Lambs, Red Dragon. Now, Red Dragon is a remake of uh, the the previous De Palma movie with uh, William... No, it's oh, Michael Peterson. Mann. William Peterson in it. Yeah, it's Michael uh, Mann. Manhunter. Michael Mann. Um, Michael Mann, sorry. Yeah, Michael Mann. Um, and so Red Dragon comes out. Uh, when I saw Red Dragon in 2002, didn't really know who Brett Ratner was, even though I'd watched a lot of his music videos. And uh, I loved it. I loved it even after reading, or I had read the trilogy uh, before that. I think Hannibal had come out before that. Um, read certainly uh, the first book in Silence of the Lambs uh, from Thomas Harris. And I loved it. The cast was fantastic. Philip Seymour Hoffman as the scumbag Freddie Lowndes. Uh, Emily Watson in there, Ray Fiennes, uh, uh, Edward Norton, of course, um, Anthony Hopkins. And so I thought it was delightful. And literally, it is the only thing of note that I've seen Brett Ratner do as a director. Uh, He did the X-Men movies. um, The third one. No, he did the third one. So he did the shitty one. He did Tower Heist. He did that Rock Hercules movie. And so it's really been a shit show, except for what I think is a good movie in Red Dragon. Well, Carrie's Red Dragon is Philip Seymour Hoffman and um, Ray Fonts. Um, and you get what's crazy to me is that dude played Hannibal Lecter in Hannibal in 2001 and in Red Dragon, which was a flashback movie in 2002. Yeah. Um, so he's in all three of the Hannibal Lecter movies that all have different directors, even though... Did you just uh, call Ju- Anthony Hopkins dude? Yeah, I did. Uh, <laughs> Julie, Julianne Moore takes over for Jodie Foster in one of them. Uh, so there's some weird... It's like a, it's a shared universe, but it's not. Uh, yeah. But Red Dragon, I think, is infinitely watchable, um, even though I don't think it's as good as Silence. Um, and it's honestly, better than Hannibal, don't you think? It is, and, but I still think Manhunter is better than Red Dragon. Um, I understand that, and a lot in probably ninety percent of the universe feels the same way. And okay. I think Brian Cox makes a fine Hannibal Lecter, even he though does. he's not the same. You're absolutely right. So here's a here's here's a thing I struggle with, and this is something that you should totally not struggle with. Awesome. Um, <laughs> I have a hard time saying Red Dragon is a remake of Manhunter. Um, when it's a new adaptation of an existing book. Um, like I understand remake can mean a lot of things, but I, I wonder about that. Are we really saying this is a remake of Manhunter or is this a remake? Is this, yeah, I guess the book is being remade. It's, yeah, no, I, I agree you know what with I'm saying? You. I agree with you. I don't think it's a remake of the movie. Uh, but, uh, I have I had never seen Manhunter until I watched Red Dragon 10 11 times and then Manhunter mm-hmm. came on one day and even though I now prefer Manhunter I was shocked 
how many beats and exact lines of dialogue mm-hmm. are in mm-hmm. both movies. Wow. Um, because they are both pulling from the same source material, uh, but you'd almost think it's almost like he didn't watch Manhunter to realize that he was making the exact same movie. <laughs> it's, it's, they're both very faithful ad- adaptations. Yeah, it's like, like you, can, you can hear some of the same exact conversations uh, in both movies. It's nuts. It's kind of funny that you watch Red Dragon 12 times and then you watch Manhunter and now you prefer that one. That's usually not what happens, right? You watch no. a movie and you, you, you see it millions of times. I still haven't seen Red Dragon. Well, I um, would really. Oddly, yeah. I would say mm-hmm. Red Dragon is more watchable, but Manhunter is the better film. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Red Dragon is glossier and has, I think, uh, more actors showing off. Mm-hmm. Um, Emily Watson. Watson is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> yeah, everybody's great in this. Even Ed Norton, who I am loathe to give praise to, is good in this movie. <laughs> Um, now, see, well, okay, I'll give you that because my favorite parts of this are Ed Norton and uh, and Anthony Hopkins squaring off because it's the polar opposite of what you get with Clary Starling and Hannibal Lecter. He's tired of Hannibal's bullshit at this point. Like he's been working with him for years. He catches him at the beginning. He puts him in prison. When he comes back to him, he's just like, man, fuck you. And and Hannibal keeps like baiting him with like, how did you catch me? Well, how did you catch me? Mm-hmm. And he's just like, you know what? Fuck you. Just give me your opinion, dude. He <laughs> says, I let you. He says, I let you kill me. I let yeah, you. Yeah, kill yeah. Me. I let it. Those yeah, interactions are good. I think there's much more electric chemistry between Jodie Foster and um, dude uh, than. <laughs> well, you could argue that there's more electric chemistry between Brian Cox and William Peterson too. Agreed. But I think that's coming more from Brian Cox's side. I, th- I think William Peterson overall in that movie and Manhunter is a blank slate. And I understand that. I understand that's a way to play it. And it's a way to play that character. Uh, but to me, Ed Norton has that weariness of a dude that survived all this shit that's been through all this, that, that has yeah. that mental weight. And can see of all, that. all of this coming even yeah. while he agrees to do it. Um, yeah. yeah it's, I mean, and it, it, it's Chris, you should definitely watch it because mm-hmm. uh, there are some very good performances, uh, even if you don't ultimately enjoy the whole story. Um, but uh, I like the killer they're chasing in this movie's story more than, God, we're talking about this movie for forever. Uh, more than I like uh, Buffalo Bill's story in Silence of the Lamps. Silence yeah, of the Lamps is a better yeah, movie, yeah. but I like the Ray Fiennes story more, both in terms of how he became who he is uh, and in terms of uh, the way he kind of outsmarts everybody at one point in this movie, uh, showing that he, he's more than just a murderous monster. He's a murderous monster who's smart, which is even scarier. So. Yeah, and that's uh, and that's very reminiscent of the book. So, and and I really love the book. In fact, it may be one of my favorites out of the trilogy uh, because Silence is a good book, but it's not nearly as good as the movie. Well, and it's also I want to point out one of the only two movies that makes me constantly think of the Fountains of Wayne song "Red Dragon Tattoo." Uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo and red dragon. You put them together, you get red dragon tattoo. Is just about me. I got it for you. So now do you want me with nothing to prove? Will you be my honey? Oh yeah, with you I can fly. Red dragon tattoo. I'm fit to be tied and fit to have you. There you go. Fountains of Wayne rules. <clears throat> All right, everybody. It's time to talk about better help. Better help. <laughs> I'm giddy. 
about this Ooh. because I have something that I've never had before. Ooh. I got somebody to sign up for BetterHelp. Boom. Oh. And I was I was very integral at their request of helping them with this because they, they had never done it before. This person had gone, I swear to God, this is a completely true story, had gone through insurance to see which uh, therapists were covered, PhDs, PsyDs, uh, LCSWs, uh, you know, MPCs, all these things. Everybody that she called that uh, that was was somewhere in the ballpark uh, was full. This one's full. This one's full. We're not accepting new uh, clients, all that stuff. People all around uh, the area. And uh, finally, I said, just try, just try the better help. Uh, she logged on, uh, figured out how much it would cost, used our code, <laughs> nice. which is, which is betterhelp.com slash syncast, by the way. Mm-hmm. And within, it wasn't even 24 hours, within, I think, five or six hours, uh, the counselor contacted her and on their way. Yeah. And, and it was, and, and they had like a, an early, just like pre interview, uh, before they even got into everything else. Uh, and it's, it's going really, really well. And I was very, very happy because I, I, again, I'm not making this up. It took a long time. I was like, y- you really should just try this. I'm telling you, I've been talking about, I've been doing it for over a year. And of course, it'd been over a year since I did the process of signing up. And it's like, no, 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 I'm going to find, you know, somebody in my area, somebody in my network, um, you know, have the opportunity to go there and all that stuff, scheduling. No, everybody says no, not accepting new clients, all that stuff. Fine, I'll try BetterHelp. Signed up and she was like, I should have done this a while ago. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm very excited that I got a convert. It's early in the process, so I'm not uh, going to pop my suspenders too much i don't even know if that's a thing it's a I thing think, i think it's a thing it's a thing. okay all right well if i had suspenders i'd be popping everybody knows what you mean by that <laughs> better help is an excellent way to dip your toe in the water for therapy right because it allows you to do it from the safe space of your own home um added benefit uh, during a pandemic when you don't really want to go out that much anyway mm-hmm. um you know and if you don't vibe with your first therapist you can try another one and um one of the first things this guy said by the way yeah um and not in not in a weird way not like oh i don't want you (laughs) it was more of like this is an option so don't feel like you're you're pressured into a therapist that wants you to get better will understand not every therapist client relationship gels as well Mm -hmm. as it could personalities are personalities um, personality goes a long way it does let's not start quoting pulp fiction on a better help <laughs> ad um, but my point is uh you know if you if you are trying therapy for the first time in the quote-unquote physical space right you're you're driving to a place you're going into a lobby there may be other people there it's an uncomfortable space um <clears throat> probably feel like you have to dress nicer than you would uh if you were at home there's so many ways that better help eases i think some of the fears people have about therapy uh, and allows you to try it. And I truly believe once you try it, you will see that there is progress that can be made if you if you keep with it. I agree. I agree. 
And uh, you know, from from seeing the interface from a year ago until now, it's grown a little bit. But man, it was the infrastructure was there from the get go, and uh, the fact that you can contact your counselor whenever you need to uh, via talk, text, chat, uh, video, all that stuff. Set up your session, have your calendar available in your counseling room, which is personalized to your own thing. Send messages, get paperwork back and forth. I, I'm serious, man. This is not. This is just the easiest way to address your mental health. I'm not kidding around about this, and neither should you. You need to address something that is bothering you before it becomes a full-blown problem. Uh, BetterHelp is fantastic at helping you address it and helping to treat it. Uh, go to BetterHelp.com, H-E-L-P.com, slash Sencast. Get 10% off, like my, my friend did. Uh, your first month. And I mean, it's like the hair club guy. I'm not only the president, I'm also a client, except I'm not the president. So it's not like the hair <laughs> club guy at all. But I am a client. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. Not with that uh, attitude. They, they, <laughs> <laughs> they need to hire me on. Uh, but I, I really have appreciated every all the experience that I've had uh, through the ups and downs. We've had other people tell us this. I'm very, very happy I got somebody else in the process uh, of therapy in general. Uh, but I love this platform, especially these days. So go to betterhelp.com slash Sencast, and you're on your way. You're on your way. You're on your journey. And uh, bon voyage and enjoy, and I hope you get the most out of it. I'm going to go with my man, best friend, friend of the show, Sylvester Stallone, who <laughs> has throughout – his entire career been an action hero, right? Mm-hmm. Whether you're talking about Rocky or Rambo or Rockbo, <laughs> Demolition Man or Cliffhanger or the arm wrestling movie that's hysterical, um, he's always the action hero. He's the tough guy, he always wins. Except for I think one of the Rocky movies. Anyway, he's the he's the winner. He's the guy. He's the guy. Then mm. along comes Fuck God. <laughs> I know the movie. I'm trying to think it's of the, the director's name. You get ripped up for it. Logan. Director Copland. Copland is the movie. I know that. I'm, I'm trying to think of the director's James name. Mangold. James Mangold. James Mangold. <sighs> Fuck my ass. So Stallone <laughs> does what I think many in Hollywood might have considered a dangerous thing by shedding that image, right? Now, we have heard today in modern times there are stars, like there's rumors that The Rock and Vin Diesel and Jason Statham all have like contract clauses about how many fights they get to win and how many times they, they're willing to look bad in a fight because it's part of their whole image that they're selling to everybody. So he basically sheds everything. He sheds all the muscles. His hair grows out. He is a beaten, broken, soft man in this movie who has been abused and put upon by the NYPD cops that live in his New Jersey town. He is the exact opposite of the kind of character still. He's still the hero, uh, but He's reluctant about it, and it's, it's just it stands out to me looking up and down his resume as as the one movie that's not like the others. Uh, 
because he's then, you know, he's gone back to playing Rocky some more and Rambo some more. And, uh, <clears throat> but this is the one where I think he was like, I'm going to show him I can act. And he fucking did because he's awesome in that movie. Yeah, it definitely came out of nowhere, right? Because Stallone had done nothing but exclusively action films, really. Yeah for for most of his time and then copland he's he's in a movie with de niro and kaitel and you know just Ray Liotta. yeah uh so like he's you know the whole the whole idea i mean him compared to the other actors in that movie is one of these things is not like the other yep. uh, end of itself it's like it's sort of an inception kind of uh thing of this of this uh the category we're talking about here right because he's yep. inside you know like the movie is something he wouldn't be in and the actors he's acting with are things that doesn't doesn't make sense um i uh, i recently got uh copland again on blu-ray and i need to rewatch it uh i saw it actually after we talked about it last time uh and and forgot how insular it is because everything really takes place within that little district except for like a little bit on the the island with the uh, de niro's character de niro's the fbi agent or the uh in, internal affairs guy right yeah mm-hmm. uh and uh it's the the interplay between Harvey Keitel and Sylvester Stallone is what makes this movie because Keitel knows he's got him in his pocket. He knows he owns him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't have him in his pocket because he's not paying him, but he knows that he owns him. And anytime Sly comes into the bar and he's just trying to relax a little bit and they're acting up in the back with Ray Liotta and, and Keitel and everything, and they could do whatever they want. And they're like, Sheriff's over there. Tell him to arrest us. <laughs> and he'll just have this like hangdog look and be like, he's not going to do anything. And it's, and it's, you're right. It's, it's an indelible performance. It, it's a movie that really should get a lot more praise than, than, and, and more recognition that it does because it's all star players in a really cool drama playing against a lot of them playing against type. But yeah, Sly's excellent in that. Sly's mm-hmm. awesome. He gets his nose broke in the mm-hmm. beginning. Mm-hmm. Again. Again. <laughs> yeah. He's he's had uh, several breakings of the nose over his career. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is a movie I have not seen, but I think it I think it qualifies. Music of the Heart. Oh. Directed oh. by Wes Craven. Yeah, that's wild. <laughs> that's wild. Really? Yeah. Yep. It even came out around Halloween. Um, <laughs> with Meryl Streep? With yeah. Meryl Streep. There's a, oh I mean, there's, you would never think there'd be a Wes Craven Meryl Streep movie, but that <laughs> there is indeed. Uh, she got nominated, of course. Of course. Uh, um, and as, did, as did Diane Warren for that Music of the Heart song that was, I oh think, was it, was it NSYNC that did it? Or was it Backstreet Boys? That did I it? hope it's both. I hope it was like a super group of all oh, eight of, all yeah. of them. <laughs> it was NSYNC and uh, Gloria Stefan. What's that? It was in sync uh, and Gloria Stefan. Yeah, yeah. Diane Warren, who had written so many of these treacly movie uh, songs throughout the nineties. I think that was like her 437th nomination. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, cause I think she also wrote that, uh, 
that song from Con Air. How, was it was it Con Air? The How Do I Live? How I do I live? <laughs> and it was the, you had that Trisha Yearwood and Leanne Rhymes like East Coast West Coast fight. Um, she wrote the songs Piper Parabo sings and Kyle Ugly. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Why do but, I know that song? I don't know, but uh, <laughs> Diane Warren was like uh, was like everywhere back in the day. Uh, the The movie is about a school teacher <laughs> trying to teach kids from Harlem how to play violin. So you so you definitely think of Wes Craven to direct something like that <laughs> mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. his track record shows that when you you know when you need a drama uh, of a of a of a teacher going into the inner city. And everything you need to have Wes Craven because it's know. like uh, it's like a hard, hard discipline, hard, uh, hard times. I would say I would like to say I'm right. Diane Warren wrote the song "Can't Fight the Moonlight," performed by Leanne Rhymes on the soundtrack to Coyote Ugly. There oh. you go. There you go. In the moon. What was the uh, Michelle Pfeiffer uh, "Gangsters Paradise"? Uh, hard learning. Danger hard. Minds. Dangerous minds. Yes. Hard learning. <laughs> <laughs> learning is hard. She did. She did that after Wolf. Oh yeah, there you go. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. Wes Craven. Andy Garcia was in that movie before it he came was. Out. He was. <laughs> Many wasn't anymore. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I that was one. You know, at you know, it's funny. It's funny. Like at the time when you see trailers for music of the heart and everything, it's like directed by Wes Craven. And you're like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> this doesn't make sense. None of this makes sense. Like, even if you were, if you're Wes Craven and you're like, I want, I want to do something different. Would you pick that as the movie that you do? That's different. Like I want to do, I've really, I've had this on my chest for a long time. I've wanted, I've always wanted to do a lean on me type of movie. <laughs> I'm sick of this horror bullshit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. I had forgotten yeah. about that. Yeah. Uh, I got a fun one here. So uh, Cameron Diaz. Is Cameron Diaz a good actress? Mm-hmm. I think so. I think right. so. And okay. here's her sore thumb movie, Being John Malkovich. Mm. Now, I hadn't watched Being John Malkovich in a long time because uh, it's such an unusual movie. You really have to like pay attention to it essentially. Right. So John yes. Cusack is an out of work puppeteer that goes to work for this weird business. And, uh, Cameron Diaz plays his wife. Now at the time I remember joking, this was 1999. I remember joking, boy, they really tried to scuzz up, uh, Cameron Diaz for this role, right. Mm-hmm. And make her look homely. Mm-hmm. And it's impossible to do because she's so gorgeous. Now going back and work, watching this, she is still gorgeous, but they do a very good job of making her look frumpy and homely and stuff like that. The crazy hair and everything. Mm-hmm. And it makes you believe that John Cusack has really fallen out of love with her and is now interested in this Catherine Keener character. And she's just the regular uh, board housewife. She's obsessed with animals and everything. But then the first time she goes through Malkovich's brain, she, she has this epiphany of like it, everything felt right. And you don't know what that means at first. Uh, it turns out that that she has very transsexual uh, tendencies. And it, it ends up she forms this relationship with Catherine Keener's character. 
and eventually I'll spoil this movie. It's it's old. Eventually ends up having her or being the father to her baby. Mm-hmm. And uh, the real Cameron Diaz character playing this is just a delight. I mean, she's absolutely committed to this role. Uh, there's no artifice to it whatsoever. And it's unlike anything that you will ever see in her catalog. After this, she went back to Charlie's Angels, shaking her booty. It's delightful. Mm-hmm. But uh, she went to to do like, you know, the holidays, what to expect when you're expecting, night and she day. swallowed Tom Cruise's cup. <laughs> <laughs> See now, this is the type of shit you or like me or Barrett would say, and you would like you would just be like, "Ugh." <laughs> You're in one the of us. Of the movie, of course. You're a bad influence on me. You're one of us. <laughs> now, now you could make an argument and say that, and I, I would make this argument. Now, being John Malkovich is its own thing, but uh, any given Sunday, she plays a real hard ass and not America's sweetheart. Uh, even though she's pretending to be America's sweetheart. In that movie sucks, though. That movie sucks, <laughs> does suck, though. Gangs of New York, which I, I maintain that I don't like. She is playing a very scuzzed up uh, grifter slash almost hua, almost prostitute. Mm. But, like, she's she's with a lot of people. And Henry Thomas is trying to, like, get up in there. And then, then uh, mm. uh, Leo is like, no, she's she's in me. Or she's I'm in her. <laughs> And uh, so she plays like, is your mouth full of honey, honey juice or something? (laughs) She plays an object of affection. Uh, She's she's, she's John Malkoviching him. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yes, indeed. And then, of course, in Vanilla Sky, where she has that iconic line, Mm -hmm. uh, she plays a a very different uh, character. So what I'm saying is that, first of all, I'm disappointed in the way that she she does what she wants and she makes a lot of money. So she doesn't need my opinion. No, nope. but like, I, I know that she's a better actress than what happens in Vegas or my sister's keeper or bad teacher shit, shit like that. And I wish she had done that more because you could tell way back in 1999 that she had excellent range. She was fantastic. And that's her sore thumb for shout. And she hasn't made a movie in six years. Yeah. That's yeah. Great. So 14 was, sneaking was her last one. Uh, yeah, I think she, I have a sneaking suspicion she may have walked away. I don't really know. I know she's, uh, started a family with, uh, the rock guy she's married to. Who is it? Benji Madden? Oh, oh she's married to a good right. Charlotte? Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's really? right. Really? Yeah. Oh, I'm not crazy. I wonder if they're the same age. She married Benji Madden in 2015. Benji Madden child. had this run of... Ashley Simpson, Ashley something or other, like all these pop stars. And I was like, how the fuck is this happening? It was, uh, it was, uh, was it Tisdale? Who was the one that was, had the lip syncing incident on, uh, Jessica uh, Simpson's sister. Ashley Simpson. Simpson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. I kind of like that song, by the way. Peace says, peace says. That song was fine. Peace me. That song was fine. She's the best. Uh, she's the best definition ever of manufactured pop star, right? Like, that somebody yep. said, somebody, probably Jessica's dad, said, we're going to make her a pop star. We're going to mm-hmm. get the look. We're going to pay whatever it takes. We're going to get the song. We're going to pay whatever it takes. And it worked. It was like a hit song. Uh, and then she went away for the most yeah, part. Like, I as think far this as, is, like, 
This is like a Phoebe Cates, right? Like uh, she got married in 2015, which was right after the last movie that she did. She had her kid in 2019 uh, and like very tip of 2019. So like she's probably busy doing mom stuff and probably, yeah, probably having fun just doing that at this point, you know? Um, she went so. out. Uh, she went out on uh, sex tape. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And would, you know what? Sex tape isn't the worst movie ever made. Oh, it's not good. It's not good. Kind of was. Kind of was. Barrett. If you really think about it, it's not as good as you think. <laughs> I found it watchable. It's not good, but I found it watchable. Uh, I would rather watch that than Bad Moms. I'll give you that. Mm. I would too. Or Bad Teacher. <laughs> would you say? She plays the manic pixie dream girl, and there's something about Mary. Well, yes. yes, but I also think they do a good job, which is funny, uh, telling something about the Fairleys. It's nuanced, but I think they subvert that a little bit by making her a tomboy and her saying, "I'm fucking with you, Ted," like you know, over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yes, she does. But I think she's she's given agency somehow. I mean, she is, but everybody in that movie that isn't related to her wants to fuck her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Including Brett, Brett Favre. Favre. Yep. You know I'll always be true to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but he wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't. <laughs> that was the worst acting performance I've ever seen. I like how... Everybody just forgets about the dick pics. Yeah, I know. Yeah, no. right? His mangled a, dick. Everybody forgets about the dick mangled pics. Mangled dick. <laughs> I actually never saw the dick pics. Was, I was think mangled? I did. I took a peek one day. I can't on. tell his penis from any of the other penises I've seen online. That's true. That's true. <laughs> it could be any penis when you think about it. It's like that Chappelle show bit where he's like, ma'am, I couldn't even recognize my own penis out of a lineup. And, me and, my, <laughs> and, he's like, and me and my penis are like that. <laughs> Oh man, the R. Kelly shit where he's like, "How do I know that was P? That could, that P could be digital." You don't know. Is the special effects, and then he starts peeing on the. <laughs> See, I wasn't even doing that. Yeah, I, wasn't. I wasn't even doing that. That's just, just special effects. Um, you want to get to questions? Question, question. I got something to say. I want the truth. I am listening. Any questions? oh jesus uh by the way these questions came from all over the world man and uh we're we're happy to hear from them uh keep them coming go to go to cinemasensincast at gmail.com hit us up on twitter uh reddit uh there's a dedicated every week there's a dedicated uh discussion thread for uh questions that we do check and yeah keep them coming all right first one here uh, I'm going to, yeah, we'll do this. Greetings from Wales. Wales. That's it's not spelled Kimru. No, wait, the, uh, in, the, wait, the Welsh. Wales. Oh, you mean the country, not the. Animal. Yes. Not yeah. like he's not riding a whale right now. Mm-hmm. Just kind of like free. Will. I would yeah. love it. If a fucking whale sent us mail, that would be mm-hmm. amazing. It's just, he's got a harness and or like just, a whip. Like, That's yeah, how that like movie a, goes. a whale rider who is just like he, <laughs> going past a, a post office person who rides whales, too. And oh. they hand off the mail to them and then they go to coast to coast. Essentially. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Coast to coast, anyway, whale post. Yes. From, from Wales. I wonder if he's in, in Cardiff or Aberystwyth or in the other uh, areas around there. It's not often studios change their opening studio logos, although I will parenthesize that it happens more often now. But uh, what are your favorite slash most memorable instances of this? First that come to this person's mind are the 8-bit universal theme for Scott Pilgrim. That's an mm-hmm. excellent choice. And Ralph Wiggum in the Simpsons movie intro. I had forgotten about that, but that's funny. That is funny. Yeah. Um, so the first one that I thought of is actually not like the best thing ever, but I remember Universal making a big deal about changing their logo for the Lost World Jurassic Park. And Ooh. so they, for, for a long time, Universal had a, you know, a, a shot of the world that's spinning and, and then Universal would just show up uh, flatly on the screen. And, you know, you see space behind it and everything. Uh, when Lost World Jurassic Park came out, that's when they changed to the one that we all have seen for years and years and years now, uh, where the, you know, the Universal logo comes over the earth and it's like you know and all that that's when the uh that new universal logo came in and we've been seeing that ever since um then uh warner brothers has a uh, has a fun thing with the lego movie the warner brothers logo is is made out of legos i mean that's... And they have the little fake clouds that come down that are attached <laughs> to the, the the strings those are fun. yeah now, unfortunately there's so many that i remember i remember some other things happening with other logos i don't remember too many of them but zombie land double tap has the thing where the so- the the columbia uh like lady or whatever with the mm. torch it, you know, it's just your typical thing where it's like, you know, you see the Columbia logo and then zombies come out uh, in front of the screen and then she like beats them with the torch uh, <laughs> as they approach and everything. Right. So that's a, that's a fun one. Nice. I always like the Matrix. Uh, oh, yeah. Because it's the Warner Brothers logo, but it's all that green Matrix tint and you hear that, that electronic digitizing noise. Uh, but my favorite favorite, um, and maybe the first time I ever saw this happen in a theater was Waterworld, um, (laughs) which again was just a fantastic fucking experience for me. I went in expecting it to be bad. I had read about the budget overruns and the director firings, and I knew the premise was the polar ice caps melted. I went with 14 friends. We took up a whole row. Uh, we snuck in hostess cakes. It was awesome. Um, (laughs) And that movie I wish is still... I was there for that. I would have a whole new thing. For oh, my God. Movie. The movie is still, to this day, entertains me endlessly. But uh, <laughs> it's the Universal logo. But then on the Earth, you see the water start to fill up and cover yeah. all of the land until it's one big ball of water. Of course, that on that logo, they don't show you dry land, which is not a myth. <laughs> He's seen it. I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> they did, those are, my, those uh, are the ones I thought of. World. Was it 95? 90, 95. 95. Sounds right. I remember those graphics not being very good, though, right? Uh, I like the concept. The ones on the where the uh, planet turns to water. Oh, that graphic. Yeah. It may not be very good. Yeah. I thought you were talking about the movie, and I was like, man, the whole reason that movie 
lost money as they insisted on shooting it. <laughs> used real water. Ain't, the fucking ain't, ocean. No fucking, <laughs> ain't no fucking effects in that movie. So there was a lot of CG out there, baby. But, uh, <laughs> they would have been fucked up, right? They're like, they get like, like whoever's running the budget is like, oh shit, man, like filming on the real water is costing so much money. And like behind the scenes, they're doing it all in a fucking green screen <laughs> and shit. That'd be the biggest scam ever. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god anyway i've always uh you know warner brothers keeps coming up in this uh i've always gotten chills no matter how good or bad the movie turns out uh from the harry potter uh intros from mm. the the wb because mm. it's always and you zoom past the wb and then you see doom boom 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 it's that little like uh woodwind i think it's a flute that uh, that comes in at first, the doo, 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 doo. and then you're going past like Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire or whatever, and they do. It, it almost looks like it gets progressively darker the logo as the movies go on, which would make sense. Uh, but those always give me chills, and it's a very rare thing when logos will give me chills. But they integrate that logo into the opening credits, and I, I appreciate that. So I think Warner Brothers does a good job in general of this. The only other one that I thought of was I saw this movie in the theater and I thought it was a mistake. I thought people like you had fucked up, uh, but it was the ring and mm. uh, DreamWorks and probably did the, the ring. And uh, it's not even very overt. It's the regular, you zoom up to see the kid in the clouds fishing and everything. And then all of a sudden there's a blip where, where the screen kind of crackles for a second. And then it goes through the rest of the logo and then blip, another one comes up <laughs> and you're like, is, is that all right? All right, whatever. But it, it very much uh, signifies the existence of this tape that has that that sort of static in it. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a cool, very, very subtle way to introduce your premise in the, the context of the logos. Yeah, for sure. You got another one? Yeah. All right. So we've gone from Wales, a Wales. whale rider. You know, going up and down, nimbly bimbly, uh, all the way to Provo, Utah. Ah, Provo, famous for their cheese. (laughs) What did you say? Famous for their what? Cheese. Yes. Famous for the cheese. The Provo cheese. Is when it was Provo famous Lone. because yeah, because somebody was eating cheese by themselves and said, I'm eating my provolone. <laughs> I gotta tell you, there's uh we've we've gotten some very interesting questions. And this is a fairly simple question, but the context, for whatever reason, is unusual enough to where I had to I had to include this one. In 2016, I moved to Kumasi, Ghana, to serve a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, since the church has has very strict rules about the amount or type of media that we can view while serving. For the two years I was there, I was only ever able to watch three movies, which were Moana, Coco, and Boss Baby. Oh, God. Mm. Mm. Oh, God. I finished my mission. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I finished my mission in 2018 and still haven't caught up on all the great movies that I missed. Uh, My question is, what five movies that came out from 2016 to 2018 would you consider essential must-sees for those of us who are off the grid for that time? Now, listen, God bless you for your service, first of all. Uh, Good luck with the Mormon. 
stuff. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry Jesus. about. No, I mean, two of those three movies are excellent. Moana is excellent. Coco is excellent. Like Boss a, Baby is whatever. Like a fantastic uh, it, meal followed by a dessert of poison. <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 But three years, man, I got to respect the hustle. I got to respect that this is your 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 belief and uh, and good for you. Uh, having said that, a very interesting question. We are now going to give you 15 separate movies. I believe mm-hmm. we all chose different movies uh, that you must see from 2016 to 2018. I thought this was a very specific and fun question. Mm-hmm. I gotta find. I I doubled one of yours, Barrett. So I gotta find another one. So so, Chris, so you up. have to go first. Okay, so Barrett and Jeremy obviously took all the good ones because I'm always <laughs> I'm always tardy on these things uh, when it comes to uh, uh, show prep. But uh, as a compliment to all those ones, and and yeah, don't judge me. Don't judge me when I come up with these five, and there's like tons of great movies that I'm not mentioning. Um, it's all because Barrett and Jeremy have have them. So uh, the nice guys is uh, is nice. the first baby that came up to came to mind. Uh, Chamwook Park's The Handmaiden is mm-hmm. really good, and I recommend that to you two as well. I don't think yeah. you guys have seen this movie. Yeah. Uh, Bad times at the El Royale. Woohoo! Uh, Upgrade, another Lee Wanell movie. Ooh, rock Upgrade and roll. is so much. You've got the most fun list, by the way. Nice guys. Uh, fucking uh, upgrade, and what was the mm-hmm. second one? Um, oh, bad times at El Royale. Oh, bad times at El Royale. Hell yeah, man! That's and then, deal. and then Logan Lucky, uh, also, yeah. in the, in the, uh, uh, Soderbergh's sort of like uh, hick version of Ocean's Eleven. Uh, these are all really fun movies that uh, that uh, you should you should uh, carve out some time for. Uh, so yeah, though, that, that's, that's, uh, that's my, my list. It's really that's like fun as hell 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 of the ones that Barrett and Jeremy are going to <clears throat> Well, I'm going to go first. Cause I think I heard Barrett say he's got a backup or two and, uh, I'm going to steal the one we doubled, even though I doubled intentionally. Cause I just All wanted right. to support, but now I want this guy, this person to have 15 total movies to watch and not 14 mm-hmm. hell or high water. <clears throat> yep. Um, arrival. Mission Impossible Ooh. Fallout, mm-hmm. Game Night, and my personal Jeremy pick, The Writer. Yeah. Um, oh. Which is Chloe Zhao, who's making um, The Eternals. And mm-hmm. I read a fascinating article the other day. First of all, they dropped the the. It's just Eternals now. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> but it sounds like they gave her massive freedom to do some wild visual stuff in that movie. And I'm very, very excited. She actually has a movie coming out between now and then. Uh, that I'm excited. I think it comes out next month or maybe November. Um, but anyway, uh, <clears throat> those were my five. Uh, let me go through them again because sometimes people ask us to repeat. Hell or High Water, Arrival, Mission Impossible Fallout, Game Night, and The Rider. You're yeah. going to have a good time if you watch all five of those movies. Like within mm-hmm. a week, you're going to have a good week. Yeah. Well, I, like I try to represent various genres too. So yeah, You need to put them in a proper order. Just to where you break up the comedy and the action and the heaviness and stuff like that. But I love that list a lot. All right. So my list is really, and again, I've got first dibs on this. So I was I was very uh, excited to really have the pick of the litter. So one of my favorites uh, from 2016 is La La Land. I think mm-hmm. you will not have a bad time watching it. Uh, you can put it on any sequence uh, or any part of the sequence I'm about to tell you. So La La Land to me is a must. 
Get Out is a must, I believe, uh, from this, this three years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I go back and watch Get Out maybe once every month, too, and I'm still not sick of it. It's just it's really a great movie. Uh, I would recommend uh, Yorgos Lanthimos's The Favorite. Son of a bitch. Uh, it's, it's got a little bit of everything. You've got a little salaciousness. You've got great acting. You've got uh, interesting directing. You've got all-star performances from Emma Stone, Olivia Coleman, and Rachel Weisz. <clears throat> I would recommend Black Panther. Black Panther mm-hmm. has uh, quickly become, even before Chadwick Boseman's death, become maybe my favorite MCU movie. Now, Iron Man has always held that spot with Avengers close behind, but Black Panther is so rewatchable because of all the connections between the leads. Uh, and I think culturally it's one of the most important movies of that three year span. Um, the other one or the last one I'm going to toss up <clears throat> between black Klansman and phantom thread. I think I would recommend black Klansman mm-hmm. because black Klansman has more social relevance today. Uh, phantom thread is endlessly. We want, we watch but- Endlessly rewatchable to me. I think the music and the performances and the dress porn, you know, I'm into dress porn, uh, (laughs) is fantastic. uh, And it's one of my favorite directors. But I think overall, I would say watch Black Klansman. It's probably more rewatchable and more relevant to today uh, than Phantom Thread. So mine are La La Land, Get Out, The Favorite, uh, Black Panther, and Black Klansman. Yeah, and there are plenty of others we we did not mention on here that are that are also great movies to go find and everything. But uh, I I think that's a really good list of uh, where to start. Anyway, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. do have to question this guy is so pious that he went to Ghana mm-hmm. on a mission trip for like three years, mm-hmm. and yet he still listens to this podcast. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if recommending these movies. We'll get him excommunicated. I wonder <laughs> how he feels whenever we go, fuck, fuck, shit, pussy, fuck, fuck, cock, fuck, fuck, pussy, cock, shit. I, <laughs> I, asked, I asked a friend of mine who who was Mormon once, like, like, uh, are you allowed to watch some, some of these movies and everything? And he said that I think at BYU, they have a film class where they teach Pulp Fiction and they teach all these different, you know, <laughs> you know, big, hard R rated movies. I'm, I don't know if there's a, a caveat to that or what, uh, but, uh, it's you have not to sign a waiver. He's, he's, <laughs> you have to sign yeah, a waiver. Yeah, you have exactly. to get your parents permission. But this is, very- this is very demeaning to Mormons. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm being allowed to watch Pulp Fiction. Well, no, what I'm saying is, is that is on his, on the question itself, he's very careful about saying that while on the mission, he can't watch these movies. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Yeah. It, it sounds like you can watch whatever you want uh, outside of that. Uh, but, you know, as long as you continue to, uh, uh, you know, do the right thing or whatever, uh, whatever you want to call it. I don't know what you want to call it. Do the, you know, follow the yeah, Mormon. The Mormon yeah. Yeah. Find the, <laughs> I didn't even hear that. Well, I didn't do the say Mormon anything. Thing. I'm just laughing. No, I heard Barrett say something and then you laughed. Well, but I wasn't laughing at Barrett on ironically. I was just laughing because this whole thing is very funny to me because it somehow sounds like the Mormons are less strict than my own upbringing. <laughs> yeah, they might uh, be. They might be. That's true. 
Yeah, I saw a Mormon movie once. I saw one like was supposed to play Hollywood twenty seven. It was a sneak preview of. I actually watched it to to mm. make sure that it ran through and everything. Mm. It was uh, it was not a good movie. I remember mm. you telling me that. I actually before all this bullshit started. I was going to get me and my wife tickets to Book of Mormon, which was coming to Nashville in a oh, little bit. Because yeah. I haven't seen it yet. You guys went to see it, right? Mm-hmm. Last time it was in Nashville, yeah. yeah and um, I saw it when we were in New York last time, too. When you guys yeah. left, I still had a day left over. Oh. Watch Book you of saw Mormon. 2001 and Book of Mormon on the same day, didn't you? I think so, because I, I crammed like all sorts of entertainment in that last day. Oh, that's awesome. That's yeah, awesome. It's pretty great. Uh, very simple question, but made us think quite a bit. What parts of your past do you think would influence your directorial styles? Love you guys. Take care. Thank you so much. This is interesting because none of us has directed a movie, but uh, I think all of us, all three of us, are capable of learning how to do it, or at least placing trust in the right hands. And when it comes down to style, it would be very interesting to see how each of us would approach it. What do you guys think? Um, I, I, well, first I have an anecdote because I watched part of this movie the other day called Margaret. And it's got mm. a lot of people in it. You know, Anna Paquin and Mark Ruffalo and Jean Renault, uh, Alice and Janney. Um, <clears throat> and uh, it's really fucking depressing. And I was like, because it's about... Uh, a woman who witnesses a car accident and holds the hand of the victim as she dies. And then her dealing with that trauma. And I looked it up and it's Kenneth Lonergan who made it, wrote it and directed it. Oh, and yeah. Manchester by the sea. And I thought, <laughs> who hurt this guy? Like, and then I realized not even joking, there probably actually is genuine trauma in his past that, that he is able to work through and use in his art and his writing. And so that's sort of where my brain went was how have I been traumatized and what, what ways would that impact my filmmaking? Uh, I got cheated on by a girlfriend in college that I thought I was going to marry. Um, made me very distrustful of women. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if I wrote a movie about adultery, directed it, wrote it, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, when Just I was like the English old, patient. Mm-hmm. Jeremy yes. Scott's the English adultery. patient. Adultery. <laughs> um, when I was young, I was freaking terrified of the water. Um, Jaws the movie simply came out I didn't even watch it but I wouldn't take a bath once I had heard that this movie existed uh, because I thought Jaws was going to come up through the drain and mm. eat me wait you bath. were scared of all water or the ocean or just for a long time it was all water really um, yes and the, you can see if I were to show you the period that I was in a Christian rock band maybe 40% of the songs have water imagery um, and even if you look at the Abel series that I've been writing, especially the second one, uh, and the third one, there's water imagery yeah. Yeah. all over the place. Uh, and I think that g- comes directly from that childhood trauma of being terrified of the water. And then I just, and then I thought probably my religious upbringing would have me poke sticks at religious authority here and there in the movies that I might direct. I might, I could see me making a movie like saved. Um, (laughs) although when I watched that recently, I realized Mandy Moore is playing the same character as, uh, Amanda Bynes, Amanda Bynes in easy, easy a, it's the same exact person. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So there you go. There's my, (laughs) I love that. I knew exactly what you were going to (laughs) say. I was thinking, I was actually thinking of Jess Wexler and teeth because she's playing that. 
she's playing that uh, that kind of character. Those those the promise, promise ring. ring. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they, I've had a lot of the the. If there's anything that would influence a directorial style for me, it's just the fact that I've had so many weird interactions with strangers over the years. Um, the uh, I, re- I had I had a I had a girl call uh, my like like they called my was it I guess it was my parents' phone. I don't remember if it they called. I had I had my own line. So maybe she called that line. It was a random girl just randomly called me. And I was just like, uh, yeah, I think it's the wrong number. And then we ended up having a conversation for like two hours. Um, (laughs) This was way back in the nineties. Um, and, and like every night would be talking to this person almost like it was a pseudo girlfriend, almost like it was, she called back. She, yeah, she kept calling and I would call her sometimes. Um, and then, um, and then like, that same year, I think, I uh, was at Tennessee Tech, and there was a, a computer system at the time uh, where, like, if you got online and you um, and you were just doing anything online on their service, you could do a thing. I don't think you can do this anymore. This is dangerous as fuck. You can go and, and see who's online at, at the university at any time. And, and it shows you where they're online and everything. Um, but, uh, I had a random, just like out of nowhere, somebody just like, uh, I guess, I guess you would call it, uh, what, what would you call it back then? Was it, it's not texting, but DM. Um, it was a message, I guess it was a mm-hmm. mess, an instant message of some sort saying, Hey, how, how's it going? I'm like, I don't, I don't even know who you are. And like, Oh, I don't know. It's just, but just back and forth like that. Like just, just sitting there typing with this girl. I don't even know on this thing. So there's like stuff like that, that has happened just throughout my entire life. And of course I, I generally go towards comedies anyway. I would mm. probably direct comedies. So I would have interactions that are probably informed by these weird uh, these weird interactions I've had. And and it's, and that's not, that's just two of them. There have been many more over the years. Just like, what was that? What the fuck was that? So uh, you would make like Twin Peaks type shit then. Probably right? Charlie Kaufman type stuff. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, just, I, I, I get very in tune with those weird moments in movies where somebody's just randomly, you know, just a stranger is talking to somebody and it's weird and everything. I'm like, yeah, I've been in this situation before. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that's something that would probably, and, and anyway, it goes along with, uh, with dating life and everything else. It's just, there's been weird interactions in my life, man. Huh. Just some weird shit. You could do like an Annie Hall type of thing where weird shit keeps happening, even in the context of a normal relationship, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Truman yeah. Capote walks by and say, boy, <laughs> right. he would win the Truman Capote. Yeah. <laughs> Look alike contest. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. I have cheesy answers and I have non-cheesy answer or, or a non-cheesy answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the cheesy answer, I'll say fatherhood. And it's, it's a weird thing. I think it would inform my directing style because there's, there's this weird line of fatherhood, especially, um, I don't know, especially these, these days, uh, when we're more informed than the Mad Men days where you just smacked them upside the head. <clears throat> At least that's how I was raised. Um, <laughs> it's a, it's, it's, it's a complicated thing where like earlier to this morning, I had to fix his, his ear for his earache. And the, the, like, 
just those moments like just make you absolutely melt. But then there's some times where you got to bust ass metaphorically, not physically. Mm-hmm. And you got to say like, you know, I'm going to take away your screen time if you don't do this. Luckily, I have a kid that's that's very good and very loving. So, mm-hmm. but I think I think having that sort of paternal relationship has informed me as a person and probably would as a director. This is going somewhere I hope is funny. Um, <laughs> my non-cheesy answer is I spent about 16 years or so uh, working in research, medicine, uh, all that stuff. So I feel like I could uh, approximate uh, the, the the scientific uh, methodology that, that researchers and, and practitioners use, uh, and I would be able to do that ac- fairly accurately. So what I'm saying is that I'd rather I'd either make extreme measures, or, <laughs> or that one where where Harrison Ford yells at Brendan Fraser that he's already working around the clock. <laughs> What? what? You remember that trailer where Brendan Fraser is losing his son to cancer or something like that? And he's he tells Harrison oh. Ford, who's the doctor, and he's like, I need you to work around the clock. And Harrison Ford's like, I already work around the clock. Harrison Ford? I, I did not remember this movie at all. I don't remember this at all. Stop it. Fucking cat. Uh, I've got to look this movie up because I am doing the same. Extraordinary measures. Oh, Oh. Oh. I saw that movie. See, when you said extreme measures, I knew that movie. Yeah. So there's extreme measures and extraordinary measures. Yeah. Wow. Is there a third movie in the measures trilogy? Uh, desperate measures. measures. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Michael Keaton. <laughs> oh, that's our film festival. Let's do it. Yeah, absolutely. There's some great fucking actors in those movies. Which which movie measures up? Ah! Yeah. Do you remember this trailer though? This 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 no. yes. line. Now, now that I see the image, which is you know your usual bullshit fucking Photoshop <laughs> poster that they do for these movies, where like Brendan Fraser and Harrison Ford definitely weren't in the same shot together. <laughs> It's like, well, let's just cut this scene out from like the six days to seven nights. And then like, let's get this one, this one from Brendan Fraser and crash. And then like put it in the, you know, put it in the same poster. Uh, but yeah, I do remember this now because I was like, what the fuck is this? And then I forgot. I forgot all about it. I didn't know it existed. Anymore. Well, it's extraordinary. Extraordinary. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Extraordinary. I already work around the clock. <laughs> God damn. Yeah, so that would be my movie. <laughs> I even forgot the name of it. Oh, it's a 6.4 on IMDb, uh, yeah, 29 on Rotten Tomatoes. Hey, friend of the show, Andy Garcia is in Desperate Measures. Desperate measures go. or extraordinary desperate, measures? Desperate I, wonder how, I wonder how much he was in the movie before they cut a bunch of his scenes. <laughs> I, I don't know. He's 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 second build under Michael Keaton, so he better yeah, be in there a lot. It's, uh, he's the good guy, and Keaton is the bad guy. I saw all these movies. Uh, what was uh, Desperate Measures? What was the uh, the deal there? It's about an honest police officer who desperately needs to save his son's life. However, after losing all hope, he finds out that a criminal, Peter McCabe, in jail is his only savior. So I don't know. Oh, yeah. It's got a, so it's, a, so it's, a, it's, con, it's a, it's a, it's the rock meets, uh, into darkness meets, um, <laughs> um, extraordinary measures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
And Extreme Measures is the Gene Hackman movie, right? Yeah, where mm-hmm. he's throwing nerves, he's taking uh, homeless people, and and he's uh, and he's killing them for. And he reason. says to Hugh Grant, "We don't have time to fuck around." Yeah, we don't have time to fuck around. No, he says, uh, "If you had to kill one person to cure cancer, wouldn't you have to do that?" Mm, well. <laughs> I already work around the clock. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because you made already work around the clock, Hugh Grant. This is the best <laughs> trilogy of all time. <laughs> They should bundle those three movies in like a three pack. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week. Keep going to Sincast presented by CinemaSins on Facebook. We're also on CinemaSins Twitter, Music Video Sins Twitter. We're on uh, SoundCloud. We're on Discord. If you want to get on Discord, go to our Facebook page and private message me, or go to a uh, go to our Reddit page and find the link on the right side there. And uh, that's going to do it for this week. It's Chris Atkins and Jeremy Scott. Barrett Share. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. You are gonna have to fucking stop doing that shit. I swear to God, it's a macarena, baby. <laughs> it's it's like it's like not it's like on its own. It's not like something that's laugh out loud funny. But the fact that it's going on while I'm saying this shit, <laughs> I always have to look down and and just like the other way when I'm doing this. You said it's time again. I thought it's like the locust broods where they you know they go underground and then like 13 or 11 or however many the fuck years their brood is underground and they come back that shit is confusing man when i first when i was growing up i remember i think it was cicadas that were the first time i I, the first time i saw anything big like that like all you know swarming around and that was like in the 80s somewhere and they're like these won't be back until another 17 years and then like then there's the there's apparently there's it's almost like lunar eclipses, how these things come up because it's, or solar eclipses. Cause there's a, a one breed that's like every 17 years. And then there's like another breed that's this amount of years. And then there's another one that's this amount of years, but it only appears in this one region of the country. And yep. then, you know, it's like, like, a, like this year, I think there's a, is it, a, is it cicadas or locusts? that oh, are- I think they're the same fucking thing. I think the, I think they're the same thing, honestly. Um, but yeah, there's some. There was supposed to be one this year, but I haven't seen any. I've. I there are. There's something flying around here this summer that is like that. Locusts or cicadas, because I hear them outside. Um, there have been a couple that have shown up in my house. Of course, the cats are all like you know killing it and shit when when it comes in. But uh, but there is something flying around. But I can hear that. I can hear their like mating screams outside uh, every every afternoon. So I no, don't that's know. just that's me and Candy. Oh, it's you and Candy. Yeah, okay. Nice. I love how this internet site, this internet site. I love how they describe the difference. Locusts and cicadas are often confused. Locusts are a type of grasshopper, while cicadas are closer to crickets. And my brain immediately goes, "Crickets and grasshoppers aren't the same thing." <laughs> <laughs> it's like crocodiles and alligators. Yeah. Uh, I remember growing up, whether they were locusts or cicadas, apparently they are different things. In Indiana. It wasn't broods. They were just a bug that was there every summer, and they weren't like massive in numbers. Mm-hmm. But you would see their dried out 
corpses on the trees and you would hear that screechy noise at night and yep that was about it then i moved down to super north georgia basically chattanooga right when it was like 98 right when one of the 17 year broods that has like 98 million of them or whatever came mm-hmm. up and it was like <clears throat> it really was like biblical a couple of days driving on the on the freeway there were so many they were thudding your windshield every few seconds yeah um it was really, and then the, on the ground, it was hard to walk from your car to the gas station. Uh, Crunching them. them, yeah, it's fucked up, man. The sun. There was something that happened because I was I was in Hillsborough Village when the last big one happened. Uh, when was that? What was that? 2010, 2011, somewhere. I think uh, so. The you know, like every day, every day, walking out to the car, it was just tons of them. They'd be on your car. They were <laughs> on the on the 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 walk going out to to your car and just all over the place but yeah yeah Yeah. right that's gross yeah when i was in i think it was uh first grade or so we would go out for recess and it was one of those big huge locust invade or cicada invasions and we would just like pluck (laughs) pluck the wings off of them like evil oh yeah uh, kid bastards and everything and we were just like playing with them. Like there was just mounds of them. They're like tossing them up like fucking uh, piles of leaves. And stuff. That's disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, I just found out uh, 1998 was the first known time that a 17 year brood and a 13 year brood woke up at the same time. Oh, so it was like a double brood of double uh, brood. That's I wonder- probably why I was hitting them with my windshield. I wonder if they have like turf wars and shit. <laughs> like the Jets and the Sharks? Yeah. Yeah. Bill the Butcher has a weird accent in that movie. I'm, I have a weird relationship with that movie. Mm. I, I, I watch it all the time, but I hate it. Mm. Yeah. 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 You just hate Cameron Diaz. Cameron Diaz, who I'm going to talk about in this episode, bothers me in that movie. A lot about that movie bothers me. Mm hmm. A lot of mm-hmm. bothersome stuff. Mm-hmm. Her mm-hmm. accent bothers me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leo's kind of accent bothers me. Mm-hmm. His plan bothers me. Mm-hmm. The anachronistic music bothers me. Mm-hmm. Even Daniel Day. Now Daniel Day doesn't bother me. He's awesome. <laughs> that was uh, that was DiCaprio's uh, first like real attempt at being like a hard fucking actor. Like mm-hmm. like before all that, goatee and before all that, he did some pretty good. He did some good dramas, but he was never like you know a guy you could would ever say was tough or did anything like that. And I had trouble with it when I first watched it. Yeah, and I fucking hate the ending. The ending can lick my nether regions. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. You know what? Uh, Speaking of licking, I was Mm. watching a little bit of The Boys Mm. uh, on Amazon. I've kind of got into that show. I I shadowed the pilot for TV Sins. And I was like, you know what? This is like one of those. It happened with True Detective, too, the first season. I had never watched it before. But after I did that for TV Sins, I was like, I got to watch the rest of the series. And so uh, The Boys kind of intrigued me by the premise, uh, mostly because of uh, the Ryan Quaid kid, the the kid from... uh, Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. He's the main the main guy <laughs> who looks so much like like Bill Hader that it's absolutely insane. So he drew me in. Carl Urban is fantastic. Uh, but uh, there's there's a scene like in the halfway through the first season where the guy who's the fastest superhero in the world is making out with his girlfriend. She's like, "Do you want me to do that thing?" And he's like, "Yeah." And she goes down. And he thinks she's gonna go down on him. 
She starts sucking on his toes. <laughs> Hold on a sec. I'll be back back. Perfect. What the fuck is happening? Oh, was that his phone? Yeah. That, that, that music lines up good with toe sucking. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, she starts sucking his toes, and, and at first you're like, oh, but then you're like, hmm, it's kind of sexy. Not for me. It's not for me, bro. You never done the, the toe suck? <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to talk about this, um, but no. <laughs> you should try it. No. Fuck you. Why? What? Fuck you. What? There's fuck nothing you. wrong with that. There's other things to suck on. Don't tell me what... So you finally watched Palm Springs? Yes. Um, uh, what did you think? I have a controversial opinion. I loved it. Um, I want to spoil the twist for people. Why? Well, uh, hold on. The twist or the conceit? Is Chris? <laughs> Are we playing a game? <laughs> no, no, no. Like, because Chris was saying he didn't even want to let people know that it was about a loop thing. Are you saying you want to spoil that part, or you yes. want to spoil the ending? Not the ending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. I, 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 have, I knew going in that it was a reset the day time loop movie. That's yeah. all I knew. Me too. That's all I knew too. But yeah. the first 10 minutes played gloriously to me knowing that. Yep. Whereas if you don't know it, this is, Chris, I'm giving my controversial Palm Springs take. I loved the movie. I, oh I, yeah, very controversial. I, I think it's better to know that there's a time loop um, before you watch it because if, I can only imagine because I didn't watch it without knowing, but I would imagine it's confusing until you realize, and then maybe on your second viewing, the first ten minutes, you go, "Oh, ah, oh, okay, oh, okay." But for me, it was I feel extra joyous the first ten minutes to know that at least one of them was already stuck in a loop. Yeah, uh, I, I, me not knowing was great to kind of like fit when it when I when it when the reveal came up because I had remembered enough about everything that was so weird about that first ten minutes that I was like, oh, just kind of like going back in my head about it and everything. So like, I was glad I didn't know um, uh, going in. That speech is hilarious, regardless if you know or you don't. Because everybody's just like, how does he know that? <laughs> like, you know, she's donating plasma or bone marrow or something like that. How, does, <laughs> how the fuck does he know that? And he's making this eloquent speech and everything. He's like, why is he in a Hawaiian shirt? <laughs> <laughs> While I was stepping away there. So did you like the boys, Barrett? I am really liking it so far. I haven't seen the second season. I saw the first one, um, I don't know, last year. Um and I really liked it. Um, the um, who's the the one guy that is playing uh, the whatever the Superman of the group? Oh, Homelander! Uh, yeah. Somebody star Anthony, Anthony Star is so good, man. That's, he really is. He really is. That's uh, that's just uh, he's just awesome in it. And just yeah, I mean the the decisions they're making are all sort of Watchmen level in a way, like yeah. because they're yeah. they're they're kind of like being protective of, of a brand and, mm-hmm. and, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's sick. It's sick watching it. Uh, and I like that Aaron Moriarty chick, man. Oh, oh plays uh, starlight. Yeah. She's pretty. Yeah. 
And uh, Elizabeth Shue is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Love me. I always love me some Elizabeth Shue. Dude, I mean, this it's it's very it's got great effects, I think. Um, it's subverting the genre, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody's good. Even even uh, Meg Ryan's Bill Hader isn't all the way good. <laughs> uh, and I've only, I'm only halfway through that first season, but man, it's just compelling. Like for whatever, I don't even love it, but it's like it just it's watchable. It's so watchable, you know. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna keep at it. There's very few TV sends pilots that I get into. Like Westworld, I was like, maybe I should give this a shot. Oh Jesus! I'm just exhausted. Mm. <laughs> I can't, I can't yeah. dedicate that much. Yeah, there's the a lot. Of- is very much like you know, get in there, get out. Everything's cool. I started randomly watching uh, Cobra Kai a little bit. Oh. Um, I, I was very much against it, especially when it was on YouTube, and that was their like flagship, like let's be a premium streaming service uh, show and everything. But you get it's on Netflix, and I'm like, ah, I watch one of these episodes and everything, and. And uh, it, it's got some really funny moments in it, man. Intentionally uh, funny, yeah. Really? Uh, it's it's uh, it's basically. I mean, I you know Johnny Lawrence is still the same guy. He's just old now. Um, so he's a he's still a dickhead, but he it, it's got this interesting dynamic because he's helping out a kid just like Daniel Russo in in Karate Kid and he's being his sensei but he's being the dickhead sensei that his guy was so like it's it's a different dynamic and uh and and LaRusso's got his own car dealership and he's got the beautiful wife and he's got the kids and and he shows up everywhere that you know, that, that he that uh um that uh Johnny Lawrence shows up and uh and uh he and he's it's just he's kind of like annoying how how good his life is and everything of course we go and see you know he, we actually see LaRusso's life and see that it's not as perfect. It's close to perfect, but it's not as perfect. He's got some of his own issues and everything, but there's a part in there where, uh, Johnny is, is, uh, teaching this new kid some, uh, some moves and everything. And like, uh, and he's like, you know, um, it's the very first day. And he like, uh, he like body slams this kid like immediately, like has absolutely like no idea this is going to happen. He gets up and he pulls out the inhaler and he starts, you know, he's like, he's, he's like, and, and like, he, and, uh, and Johnny's like, what, wait, what is this? What is this? He's like, I've got asthma. Sorry. He's like, not anymore. You don't, <laughs> <laughs> not anymore. He's like, he's like, look, Jesus. like you need to stop, you know, you need to stop talking about this asthma or peanut allergies or any of this made up shit. And you need to go on. <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> wow. Yeah, wow. So who's the who are we rooting for here then? <laughs> the show so far is making you root for Johnny Lawrence, but he's huh. still a dickhead. Interesting. Um, and 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 Daniel Russo is kind of the antagonist of the show, and there's all these these weird complex connections that are going through their lives at this point, where. Mm. Where like you know, Larusso's daughter is responsible for hitting Johnny's car uh, early in the early in the series. So there's that little connection. Um, his daughter is about to date this guy who got in a fight with Johnny, 
in a parking lot and there's uh-huh. like all these different stories going back and forth like nobody knows the full story yet of everything that's going on and i'm only three episodes in um but there's some moments where I've just sat there and I was like, oh, my God, that caught me just right. You know, I did nice. see one clip where the kid says something like, is there any particular way you want me to clean this glass? And say, he goes, I don't give a shit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. just like the, the anti Miyagi. He's very um, much so. Uh, and that was the first thing I'd seen, honestly, that made me want to take a look. And now that you're saying some decent things about it, I might have to. It's, I mean, like, I thought it was going to be one of these wink, wink, and it kind of does have some wink, wink moments in it, but like, uh, but I think this, I mean, this is exactly like if you were to tell, I'm not a big fan of telling the story after the story and everything. Like, I'm not a big fan of that, you know, like the El Camino and all that bullshit. And, uh, but like, but uh but I don't know if you did it this if you did it in a way that seems realistic in a way where Johnny didn't learn any lessons he's still a dickhead but it's more complex than that and Daniel Russo is still a goody goody but he's got his his uh his own little peccadillos too um <laughs> it's uh you know it, so is his wife Elizabeth Shue or the girl from Okinawa uh it's neither i think i think the there's there's even a the the girl who plays is courtney hing Hengler or whatever i was just making a joke that he had two different girlfriends in the first two movies. <laughs> oh yeah yeah there was a there was a point he where his little drum paddling yeah <laughs> there's a point where he's um he's at a he's at a high school dance because he volunteers to uh chaperone because his daughter is dating this dude and he wants to keep an eye out on her, you know, classic sitcomy trope type of thing. But, um, but one of the other chaperones is like, I can't believe that you broke up with her like after high school. And he goes, ah, yeah. you know, life happens, you know, stuff. <laughs> it's whatever. Yeah. It would have, it would have been kind of silly if he was still, if he was married to her, you oh, know, yeah. this many years later. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, I did see a, a tweet and I looked it up that Ralph Macchio was like, five or six years older than Pat Morita was when he was the sensei in Karate Kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is insane given how Ralph Macchio looks these days. Well, I remember someone mentioning it when he turned uh, Pat Morita's age and said, do yeah. you know that, did you know that Ralph Macchio is that guy's age when yeah. Karate Kid came out? I'm like, oh, holy yeah. shit. And he looks um, good for 58 or whatever he is now. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I like I haven't gotten through the whole series, and it's really just kind of like I'm up at night and just wa- you know just randomly watching stuff. But I've watched three episodes, and so far I'm like, man, some of this stuff catches me just right. Just there's that, <laughs> just you know, stop bringing up this asthma, peanut allergies, or any of this made up stuff. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> so, not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> Have either of you guys watched Class Action Park yet? No, not but yet. you made me wanna. <clears throat> Talk about hitting you in the right way, man. Like I I have I haven't laughed that hard since Middle Ditch and Schwartz. Like it was you know that like uncontrollable where I can't I can't get it under control type of thing. Right. That's that's how this got me, especially Is it with because the, they animated the the that's part of it. They they also get the perfect people to give their memories about it. They were like, 
oh, we haven't even gotten to the most dangerous ride after they've uh, gone through this, like, <laughs> macabre, like, here's what you got here. And then they go to – I can't even tell it. There's, there's an – when you get really messed up, you go to the infirmary and there's something that happens in the infirmary that I was just doubled over. I had to stop it. And it was just, it, it's, it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. The funny thing about it, and I'll leave the name of the park out, but like half of the rides at this water park and action park in New Jersey were the same as a current water park in Florida. That I just went to last year oh, and, and grew up going to uh, all my life. And they were like, man, this Tarzan jump is super dangerous. I was like, there's one there. Mm-hmm. And like this slide is super dangerous. Although Action Park has one that's loop to loop. Oh, my God. And so one of the guys is like, I was the first employee to try it. Oh. And I, I can't. I was like, whoa, this is going really fast. And then like it shows an animation of him like going halfway up and slamming down on the thing and then slamming over to the other thing and shooting out with his mouth full of blood. Jesus. He was like, well, I made it. <laughs> but there's there's still like super dangerous stuff that I almost drowned on last time I went to this water park. And I'm not even uh, joking about that. Like a like a river uh, rapids ride like they used to have at uh, Opryland, except it's one inner tube and everybody gets it. It's just a whole thing. So it made me extra laugh because I've been through some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's it's one of the funniest movies I think I've seen in all year. Man, I remember. I I I I, I kind of want to watch this just because I, I know, you know that there's got to be all sorts of stuff that happens on these rides. So they like. Um, yeah the uh the i was at six flags and uh, i think it was uh what was it was it the mind bender that was there can't remember what it was the one you know the one at six flags over georgia but mm-hmm. there's uh i think it was the mind bender uh where uh there was a there was a loop and we went through the loop and right after the loop my my shoulder thing came up oh shit and I like, and it, I don't, I don't know if it would have gone all the way up, but still any up is too much. And like, there was another loop. So I, I was like, oh, no. like, I was like holding on to it while I went through that last one and everything. Oh, <laughs> so, oh like, my God. Yeah. That was oh. one of those where you're not really experiencing the ride anymore. You're just kind of like, uh, just you know, like just let me survive through this. So loop. it came up, and you just hang hung on to it. Just it during tried the to push loop. it. Just t- tried to keep it down so that it wouldn't wow. come all the way up and everything. So I was just like this the whole. It time. didn't move in it, the next. Loop. No, it didn't. You know, it, thank God. Yeah. Jesus. I mean, if it, I mean, obviously, yeah. If it did, then that would be maybe not here today. You know, <laughs> I don't fuck with roller coasters, man. Like uh, for whatever reason, like I'll I'll go in the most dangerous water slide or whatever, or you know, I'll ride a motorcycle at top speed or whatever. But there's a weird thing where like you're in control of yeah. those things. Yeah, and with roller coasters, there's no control. You're just basically saying. You're at the mercy right. of the 17 year old kid who exactly shit like that can happen to you. Yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, there, you know, there's a 17 year old kid. He's probably macking on a customer, like mm-hmm. punching the buttons and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't fuck with that. I can't I love that. that. Birbiglia story about going on a date, riding the carnival ride, the, what is, it's the, the mangler or whatever the fuck it's called, where it's yeah. the, the, it's the, the twister. You're in a, you're in a cup that's, spinning 
connected to two other cups that's spinning, all connected to another apparatus that's spinning. <laughs> and basically throws up on his date. Anyway, um, that may not be the that may be the special I saw that you guys didn't yet, but um, very funny. <laughs> so this Berbiglia binge is like holding you over until new Middle Ditch and Schwartz episodes. So far, I mean, it's not generally stand up comedy will get will get me to laugh, but it's it's not every day I find one that I really like that I want to yeah. keep going back to. Uh, and we've tried a few that, that haven't really fit the bill. Um, so yeah, we're going to watch should, everything. Uh, you should, I don't know if it's on Netflix or not, but uh, you should really watch that. Don't think twice movie that he directed. And, oh yeah. Uh, I plan to watch the movies that he's in and sleepwalk with me. Yeah. That one's he's in sleepwalk with me, right? Yeah. I think yeah. he's in both. Wasn't it? Yeah. Um, Sleepwalk with me is the autobiographical thing that you know is is more drama than anything, but it mm. uh, but it it plays a lot like a stand up special, and it's really mm. interesting just watching this sort of like uh, his rise to being a famous comic and and having to deal with this you know the sleepwalking thing, man, it's so insane. It's so the, uh, insane. The next movie he's making is. Uh, Called It's All Right. It's a mm-hmm. sequel to Don't Think Twice. Yeah. Oh, really? No. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, he's flipping me off. <laughs> I thought for sure the music guy in the house would get that. But... Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> it's in the intro. Fuck you. I'm looking for it. Okay. Yeah, I see it. <laughs> I spent all this time writing these emails. <laughs> Fuck you, I read it. I like this stuff. I like this stuff. Yeah. I was going to say, let's not start sucking each other's dicks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that's good therapy, though. Sometimes. <laughs> I like how often you create more work for yourself as an editor. Yeah. <laughs> It is weird like that, right? By the way, uh, I really appreciated this. Uh, Peter Sagel, the guy from uh, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, and your your boy, Chris, from the Chernobyl podcast, mm-hmm. um, he's he's very active on uh, Twitter. He's a big NPR guy, and uh, he, uh, he said he's been trying to uh, expand his podcast listening uh, universe, mm-hmm. and he was like, guys – edit your podcasts. Like I'm, it's, it's some of the stuff I'm listening to, you think everybody needs to hear everything that you have to say. Trust me, they don't Yeah, <laughs> edit your podcast. Yeah. And uh, later on, I think I'm going to retweet that and be like, yes, please. Well, the problem is you've got people like Joe Rogan, who has the most popular podcast in all the world, who does just four straight hours of unedited talking. And people look up to that and go, well, he doesn't edit. Why should I yep. edit? Yep. <laughs> <laughs>